When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. All right, Red Sox fans, welcome into Red Sox Beat again here on CLNS Radio, like we do it each and every week, taking you up till spring training and beyond. This episode is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep and get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics again to get your $50 off uh, mattress purchase there at Casper. Um, we got a great show lined up for you folks today. Uh, this week, Lauren is not joining us, but Jess is back. So Jess, what's going on? Not too much. Got a little, uh, got a little break, a little re-energize. <laughs> I don't even know how to say that word. Re-energized. Been off too long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Re-energized. Lauren not with us last minute. She'll be back next week. But uh, let's not like wait around, Jess. Um, we got a guest this week. It's uh, Jen McCaffrey of MassLive.com. You can find her on Twitter at uh, JC McCaffrey. Um, uh, Jen, what's going on? Not too much, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. So we're kind of going to jump right in. Obviously, pitchers and catchers reporting here in a few days. Season's right around the corner. Jen, what are your ex- expectations for the pitching staff coming into this year, especially with the addition of David Price? Yeah, you know, obviously that's kind of going to be one of the big things uh, we'll be focusing on this spring and kind of heading into the season. Um, you would hope that uh, with the addition of Price and all the money they spent in his uh, past uh is his repertoire. Um, you would think that that kind of uh, solidifies things on the front end, but we really don't know what to expect from uh, two through five, really. Um, that's kind of been the question of the offseason. Did the Red Sox need to add a, another solid number two guy, or is one of the other four going to step up, and the other four obviously being uh, Kelly Porcello, um, Rodriguez, and who am I missing now? Yeah, Clay, obviously. Clay yeah. To, uh, yeah, we can Clay, forget yeah. about Clay Buckle. Yeah, who can forget about Clay? He missed half the season last year, so I mean that's obviously something he's gonna try to uh, to not do this year. So I mean, if he can kind of step into that two role, um, you know, obviously expectations for that are not extremely high considering his track record with health. But uh, maybe a guy like Porcello is gonna rebound and, and produce more than uh, hopefully more than last year. And then you know, Rodriguez is. He had that great rookie season last year. If he can build off of that, maybe he's the guy that can kind of step into that two role. So, yeah, there are a lot of questions about the the rotation at this point. And even even with Price, I mean, you know, we're banking on him being number one, and obviously he's paid as number one, but how does he 
uh, kind of fit in this market and uh, work with this uh, work with the staff, work with the the, the coaching staff, and, and that kind of thing. Um, he hasn't really been in that kind of intense uh, big big market um, before. So I mean, uh, we'll we'll kind of see how that goes as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely the biggest question mark with Porcello not pitching well last year. Buckholtz pitching well from time to time, but not consistently. And then, what? yeah, what can you – I think I'm most intrigued to see what you can expect out of Eduardo Rodriguez because he was really good. And then, you know, second year, people maybe figure out what he's got going on. I know we had the, the tipping the pitches last year, so I'm I'm definitely intrigued. Before we get to the next question, Jen, I just wanted to uh, – what, what do you think you can expect from Rodriguez this year? Yeah, um, you know, I think like you were just saying, um, kind of coming off that rookie year, he definitely learned a, a lot. And, and just last year, Tori and um, and Farrell, you know, for the time he was there, uh, kind of just remarked all uh, all the time about how uh, impressive it was that um, that Eduardo could kind of uh, like pick apart his starts and notice, you know, like like the tipping pitches things. Uh, he would like fix that from start to start, and they would always say you know, that that was uh, sort of a rare thing for a young guy like him in his first year to be able to improve on things like that from from start to tar- start. Um, so I would imagine, you know, over the off season he probably put in a lot of similar work and, you know, coming into this year is hopefully, you know, going to um, kind of take what he learned last year and, and, you know, be even better. I mean, there are a lot of expectations for him because he did so well that first year, so... There's also probably again the added pressure of you know you have to have to do better than that first year, and, but uh, at the same time it sort of seems like he he never really let that get to him last year. Um, he would kind of bounce back from some of those bad starts. So yeah, I think this is a, obviously this is a huge year for him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of going off of that, and I know there could be a lot of different answers for this because there's a lot of young guys. But who, if you could pick one, who would you expect to have a breakout season? Hmm. Wow, that's a good question. Um, breakout season. I mean, you know, obviously coming off of last year, Mookie and Xander were the guys that you were you looked at to uh, probably Xander more so just because of the, the terrible year he had in 2014. This year, I mean, I guess you could even go, kind of look back to, to Rodriguez. Um, you know, he he needs to kind of keep building off of that, but I mean, like, he still hasn't necessarily proven himself in that in that point. Um, we're kind of just going, you know, going off of what we've seen. I mean, if, if you're if you're looking on the optimistic side of things, you could say someone like Ruzme, uh Castillo in, in left field, but um, I, again, like, that would sort of be almost a, a guess, if you will, just because we don't really know what to expect from him. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, a guy like a guy like Jackie would be nice to see him have like a really solid season, but on the same vein as, as Castillo, like we're not too sure the consistency wise. Um, you know, it was nice to see Jackie kind of string what about a month or so last August, September, uh, of good at bats and kind of um adjusting to some of the things that uh, he hadn't been doing too well earlier. Uh but it sort of uh, it was bad timing for him in the sense that his momentum kind of ran out at the end of the season. So if he can kind of like start off, uh, you know, hot this, this spring um, and maybe continue with some of those adjustments, that would be that would be someone um, that, you know, could have uh, quote-unquote the uh, breakout year. But uh, 
yeah, there, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, uh, there, there's not like last year there were, it seemed like there were so many new guys coming in and now that new guys, that, that new crop of guys, the, the Mookie, the Eduardo, kind of the Lake Flyhart, his year, that we're kind of in the, the second year of all these, second and third year of all these guys. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, that's a good question. We'll have to kind of be on the lookout for someone that could, could kind of, uh, open our eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a lot of guys, a lot of, a lot of young guys that it could be. But yeah, if Rodriguez could get like something like 12 to 15 wins, that would be definitely huge being like the four or five stars. I think they would be, yeah, I think that they would be ecstatic with something like that. Absolutely. So now going off that a little bit, not necessarily a breakout season, maybe not someone you even expect to, to do well, but who is one person that you have your eye on, you know, just in terms of like, of of like either getting better or staying the same or someone you expect to get worse anything like that it's like someone who you have your eye on who would you pick honestly a swihart i know i just mentioned his name but it's i'm curious to see how i'm uh you know i'm sure you guys are as as everybody else is see how this catching situation kind of uh boils out um obviously they've said that blake is going to be kind of the number one guy heading in um, with, uh, you know, you would assume Hannigan as the backup and, and Christian, you know, starting as the tucket, but, you know, maybe the spring, maybe spring training changes things, um, a little bit, but I, I I'm curious to see what Blake kind of does the second year around just because last year, you know, going off of what they originally planned for him, he was supposed to be in triple a for the entire year. And so that obviously mm-hmm. was accelerated, um, with the injuries. Uh, so, you know, I'm curious to see how he kind of continues to progress. And they keep saying they want to keep him at catcher, but you know, we all know that Christian um, is a superior defender. Um, but uh, you know, has he has he lost anything with his injury? Um, that's also another question. You know, is he going to be as you know that pop time he had that was so so great uh, before you know the Tommy John surgery? Is that going to affect his arm strength? So um, there are a lot of you know kind of questions around that. I, I want to. See, kind of uh, like if Blake focused so much, um, you know, on the on learning the staff and, and kind of on more or less the basics, if you will, last year of catching at the the major league level and, and hit hit a little bit once he kind of got into the swing of things. But if you can kind of bring those two things together, I'm curious, obviously, how how Vasquez fits into the equation. If, if Hannigan then becomes expendable if they want to go with two really young catchers, like what's, uh, what that kind of brings to them. So I'd be curious. If that's probably someone that I'm going to be watching closely. Yeah, definitely a good choice, Jen. I personally am a Christian Vasquez guy, so I think he, long-term, I think he's the answer. I think I'd rather a defensive-minded guy back there as long as your offense is content enough to be the way as good as it can be. And I think this lineup's good enough that I think Vasquez can be I'd rather have the defensive catcher back there than the offensive catcher. Um, another position I think where people are looking into more, um, obviously, is first base with Hanley, third base with Pablo. Which one of those two, Jen, are more um, kind of on the hot seat? Would you think Pablo or Hanley has more to lose if they if they don't do well this year? I think honestly, you know, more attention given to Hanley just because of the transition last year that didn't work and kind of all the uh, yeah, just all the attention that was there and kind of. What, you know, to be his attitude, but people sort of, uh, I guess not, not necessarily wrote off Pablo, but he was kind of just there and, uh, you know, he w- wasn't producing very well offensively or defensively. 
But I still think, you know, a lot more is riding on Hanley in this whole first base transition. And, you know, if he's actually going to, you know, put in 110% effort to kind of learn the position, obviously it's kind of, he's a career infielder aside from what they tried with him last year. So you you would think that kind of that might help a little bit, um, just kind of moving across the diamond. But but I, I honestly, I think that more... Even though Pablo did, you know, just about as little as Hanley did last year, I, I think I think people are going to be uh, kind of more on the Hanley watch. Um, and you know, if if it looks like he's, uh, you know, making an effort to get extra work in at first, or um, if he's, you know, just, I, I think people were just maybe disappointed with the way that he kind of went about things last year, and just sort of his casual attitude and, and yep. I don't think people um, necessarily were necessarily like knew that what was how the type of player he is so uh, so I, I think uh, he's learned a lot about the, you know playing <laughs> in this market and what's expected of him and I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if he kind of follows through with that um, this year. I think you nailed it and with the uh, quote of the show here when he said Pablo was just there last season because that's very true. Yeah. He was yeah, pretty he much did, just yeah. there. He didn't do anything special. Nobody really that's cared. Love. Yeah, he just he just was there and didn't didn't really do what we wanted him to. So definitely exactly. check that out. I mean, obviously you want you know the contract he signed you know a year ago, year and a half ago. You want him to produce more. Um, I just think there's more, I guess, pressure if if you will on Hanley um, yeah. at this point. But you know. I, Pablo was clearly a disappointment as well last year, so they they're going to be needing a lot more out of him if they want to get anything out of that position. Yeah, I almost expected more out of out of Pablo, so he was almost a bigger disappointment for me. But I'm sure a lot of other people think that too. But they were both obviously huge disappointments. Um, so now coming into this year, Jen, this, what what do you have for a prediction? Amount of wins for this team? Where do they finish in the division? Do they make the playoffs? And if they make the playoffs, what do they do in the playoffs? Yeah, you know, so many, uh, it seems like every publication under the sun with their preseason predictions has pegged this team as going to, you know, win the East. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people even, you know, have them going deep in the playoffs. I think we, we, uh, we kind of have done this every single year. It seems like, oh, this, you know, they're going to be better this year. They're going to be better this year. And they've, you know, finished last every year. So, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm a little gun shy in terms of, you know, how, how much they'll improve. Um, it yep. looks like a really good team on paper. Um, obviously, injuries had a lot to do with last year kind of derailing things. But, um, I, you know, just kind of going off the, the fact that these this younger core has now a whole another year behind them, um, kind of just uh, knowing each other and knowing the system better, um, I think that'll play a lot into it. I, you know, I'm hesitant to say. I think that they'll end up making the postseason uh, either as a wild card or through the division. I don't want to say that they're going to necessarily win the division right now. I, I the, the division is kind of so up in the air in terms of you know every team. It seems like there's like, once again so much parity in the league and the division that yep. uh, that it kind of seems like a little bit of a toss up again. But um, I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, necessarily if if they won the, the AL East, but uh, I think that they will make the postseason one way or another. Um, in terms of how far they're going to get, I mean, obviously that's that's uh, like 
so up in the air at this point, but um, can you know Kansas Kansas City's going to be strong again, so that'll be a you know tough competition for them uh, if they make it to the the ALCS. Um, the West is the West is kind of the AL West is kind of I guess a little bit more down than it has been. So maybe you know maybe they make it to to the ALCS and kind of go from there. I guess we'll see. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm like I said. I'm hesitant to uh, to kind of uh, <laughs> write them off as you know in the World Series and you know riding off into the sunset with a, a championship because uh, I feel like we've thought this the past couple of years like this team looks really good and then and then things kind of fall apart. So um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll kind of you know have to uh, see how they look. I guess once spring training starts too. We haven't even had a, a look yet. So. How many wins yeah. do you think it would take to make the playoffs? Like, what do you think it's going to take in the division? Yeah, I mean, honestly, because there's, you know, I don't think that one team is going to, you know, run away with. Uh, I think it's going to be a low 90s like year to win the division. Um, I don't. I I think they're kind of going to play each other out pretty evenly this year. Um, you know, the Yankees obviously uh, have added so much to their bullpen. They're going to make things tough. They have a healthier rotation now um baltimore's added a lot so they're going to be tough i mean tampa tampa's got pitching and not necessarily offense which is always the case but they're always tough on the red sox um and toronto's you know lost a little bit but you know maybe that's a little they're going to be a a, a tad bit easier to play obviously than they were at the uh, second half of last year but i think you know a kind of a 92-ish uh one season 90 92-ish one season would would win the division and you know maybe the Red Sox can add on you know 15 or so wins from from where they finished last year but uh yeah I guess we'll kind of have to see how how strong everyone kind of looks once they once they start uh, playing certainly wouldn't hate low 90s the way we've been treated the last couple of years Jen um again we're, we're talking to Jen uh, McCaffrey here Red Sox reporter of MassLive.com um, Jen, one last question from us before we let you go. And again, we appreciate you coming on. Um, I have to, act to get your take on this because you're around this team. Uh, you kind of see what ownership does to this team kind of on a day in and day out basis. What do you make of the whole um, Liverpool situation going on? And for those of you who have not seen this, the Liverpool fans who are also owned by John Henry and that Fenway group, um, fans were boycotting ticket prices and ended up uh, kind of backing down ownership drop prices. What do you make of that situation, Jen? Like, do you think that could ever happen here? Yeah, I was actually just talking about that with some of the other Red Sox supporters a couple of days ago. Um, it would be fascinating if it happened here. I don't think it would ever happen here. Um, just because of the, I guess, the level of passion of fans that you have going to games. Um, I'm yep. not sure, you know, I actually, when I was in college, I studied abroad uh, in London and had the opportunity to go to um, a few a few games over there, and it was a totally different world of to to be mind blowing. Yeah, um, it's it was nuts, uh, and it was just so much. It was like a lifestyle, and you could kind of you could say that about sports here in a, in a sense, but it was so um, just it was just so entrenched. Not the way that it is here. Here, it's kind of a, a pastime, and there, it's like I said, sort of a lifestyle. So to see people kind of get up and walk out at the 77th minute um, because of, you know, the, the, the prices um, going up was 
frankly awesome uh, because fans oh yeah fans should demand you know to be treated better by by ownership and it would be it would be phenomenal if fans did something like that here um, you know the the honestly the product on the field hasn't been uh, <laughs> good enough for the prices that people are paying and they they should want better and I think you know people are kind of voicing their opinions about it but not you know doing something that drastically and I just I don't know that that uh like Red Sox fans could get that many people to do something like that just because there are so many different um like I said like casual fans people just going for whatever and not that there's not like it's not that it's not some of that in uh in like England and in the Premier League but uh especially in Liverpool but um I think like overall it's just much more uh, intense, I guess, over there. So it would be, it would be uh, crazy interesting if if someone would could you know, kind of like stage something like that to happen. Um, but I don't see it happening here, unfortunately. Yeah, um, I'm with you, Jen. I don't think it's going to happen, and we're going to get more into this a little later in the show, um, me and Jess. But I, I think that the way our culture is here in terms of the Red Sox nation, and don't get me wrong, I love the Red Sox, um, but the fact is, is the matter of. Look, it's a sweet Caroline type nature. Everyone who sings in the eighth inning, everyone who does all that, is not going to walk out on a ticket price. It's, not, it's just Absolutely, not going to happen. Yeah, hundred percent. It's um, you know, and maybe you know, uh, a few years ago, obviously the the recent you know run of championships has kind of glossed things over. So uh, you know, uh, you can kind of say uh, fans fans obviously have have been spoiled in this region, you know, especially over yeah. the last ten years. So um, you know. You could you could kind of look to that point where uh, people maybe are not as uh, you know angry about it or as, as uh, impassioned about it as maybe say uh, like a a Cubs fan base um, where where yeah are, yeah um, where that organization hasn't won in forever and um, still kind of they're competing and obviously things are getting better but yeah um, I think uh, I think it'd be really hard to pull off here even though it would be would be uh, something they probably should do. Considering Which is so unfortunate. So yeah. yeah, it's so unfortunate. I really wish it would happen. When I read this, Jen, it was just I, I immediately thought I wish Red Sox fans would do that. Yeah, we were. Yeah, a few, like yeah, I, like I was saying, a few of the reporters and I were like talking about it the other day and how you know crazy that would be to like to cover something like that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> don't don't think we're going to be seeing that anytime soon. No, highly doubt it. Um, well, there you go. That is this is again Jen McCaffrey here on Red Sox Beach from MassLive.com. You can follow her on Twitter at uh, JC McCaffrey. Um, Jen, we appreciate you taking the time. Um, of course, you can come back whenever you want. You're great. Um, we appreciate the, uh, you coming on. Your um, great work is awesome as well on Mass Live. And um, again, uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. And uh, we appreciate you coming on. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jen. Have a good one. Uh, All right. Again, that, again, of course, was uh, Jen McCaffrey of MassLive.com. Um, thanks to our own Jess Thomas for scoring her coming on this week. Hey, man, I do that again. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, hey, you helped out. You reached out. We got a couple of good guests the last few weeks. Of course, Trini two weeks ago, Jared Carabas was on last week. And then, uh, of course, now Jen McCaffrey again of MassLive.com. Great follow on Twitter. She knows her stuff. It's JC McCaffrey, two C's and two F's uh, on that Twitter handle. So go on and check her out. Um, Jess, I want to kind of stick with what we were just talking about, what I kind of finished uh, that interview with, was this whole Liverpool situation. Um before I want to get your take on this, Jess, because I kind of talked about it a little bit. Mind you, fans listening, if you haven't seen it, it was the ticket, average ticket, like the lowest ticket in actually, Jess, was like 77 euros. 
uh, or pounds, I think it was, whatever. Yeah, it was pounds. So that's like 111, 112 US dollars. That's for like their low base level ticket. That's ridiculous. They have every right to storm out. Just to, I just kind of want to get your take on this. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily think it would happen either. It's. I mean, it's. I, I, the thing that I don't really get is that. I mean, well, is this is this just in terms of Red Sox because like you can get pretty cheap Red Sox tickets. Well, no, I know you can. Yes, but like news, like everything that's so drastically charged in terms of just food beverages, oh, um, yeah. like tickets like that, like all everything that that they are charged. You charge nine dollars for a beer. You charge six dollars for a bottle of Poland Spring water, <laughs> like which you can pay probably six dollars to get like twelve of them at your local Walmart. Like that, it's stupid how much we get charged for things here. And good for Liverpool fans to stand up. And I'm shocked that Henry backed down. But that's why it intrigued me, Jess, because seeing them back down for them, if something like that ever happened here, wouldn't they? Ba- would they back down here too? I mean, they're the same people, right? I mean, it's still that's what I'm thinking. Still, John Henry like, is still the group, so I don't necessarily see why not. I mean, maybe maybe people don't care enough to <laughs> to like stage a kind of boycott thing like that. But boy, yeah, that'd be nice to get all the. I mean, I don't buy stuff at games because it's so expensive. <laughs> That's you say. You plan ahead. They lose business because it's so expensive. Like you go get food somewhere else in the city before you go in. Right. You eat at home before you go in. You like bring your so own water stuff. in. You can do that. Exactly. <laughs> which you can do as long as it's not the seal's not cracked. Right. Like, which I didn't know until I went to a game with you, which was yeah, awesome. right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is exactly like, what I'm saying. You can do that. And yeah, and they're going to lose money. You're right. They're totally going to lose money because of it. Because someone like me, I would definitely be much more intrigued to eat there if the price was about a third less than it is. <laughs> and that's why when I read this, Jess, and I heard the story, I was like, if only Red Sox fans would do this. Because clearly the ownership basically opened themselves up to have that happen here too. Yeah. I know that would be great. I don't necessarily think it, think it would, but maybe we, we can hope. Yeah, no, and I completely agree with kind of what Jen said in the terms of, like, she wishes it would happen, and it just doesn't happen. And I really do believe what I said, too, was true, is that the Sweet Caroline-type fan is so entrenched in Fenway Park that there's not enough diehards willing to go to these games one time, pay these ticket prices, to go sit down and do this. I think people love Fenway Park too much and love the culture that it brings people to, that they're not, no one's willing to do this. Even as right. be- it didn't even happen in the Bobby Valentine years. It didn't happen when they were at their worst. The ultimate thing would have to be this would happen when the team is good. Because Liverpool's not like it. They're not the bad soccer team. So it would have to be maybe this year if the Red Sox are doing well and then it happened. I don't think it would happen here, but boy, would it be fun if it did. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think so. I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> yeah, neither would I for sure. Um, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on coming into the summer here. As obviously it gets warmer, we start going back to Fenway Park. Um, just keep that in the back of your minds, Red Sox fans, because we've seen ownership do it now, and it's a, like Jeff said, it's the same people. So you know they're willing to back down if it really if it really actually came to that, they might be willing to do it. So just keep file that in the back of your heads for uh, come summertime. Definitely an intriguing storyline to kind of keep an eye on. Um, Jeff, we get pitchers and catchers in four days. Sorry to believe, isn't it? So exciting. Fifty days till opening day, which is awesome. It's under two months. Um, four days till David Price officially is there, even though he's already been there. It's f- very fun to know that he's been down there working, getting to know the facility. Says he loves the facility, which is exciting. Yeah, a lot, um, a lot of guys are there already. Yeah, and have, and have been for a couple of weeks. Yeah, which is good. Which is good. Which is good. And I love to see that. Um, 
let's go, let's talk about um, the two guys that kind of, we signed off last off season. Who obviously we kind of talked about with Jess, uh, which uh, excuse me, with Jen a little bit too close, too similar. Uh, we all have Jen. Uh, it's like the, the three J show. I know triple J, <laughs> triple J. <laughs> here on Red Sox beat. Um, but yeah, so I kind of going to pose the same question to you, Jess, that I did to her. Who is more on the hot seat, Pablo or Hansel? Well, kind of based on what what John Farrell kind of said um, a couple days ago, kind of seems like both of them because he was just like I think the quote was if they if they uh, yeah if they falter we have guys to step in is what Farrell said. So clearly mm-hmm. he's sitting here like hmm, look at this. So I think they're both in the hot seat. If I had to pick one over the other, probably still Hanley just because of the the uh, position change. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if they went out this year and put Pablo in right field, I would probably say him because people would be like, "Whoa, what's going on? What's, how, yeah. How's he going to do this?" So I think the position change makes it a huge difference with that. So all anybody's going to be doing for the first three weeks of the season is staring at Hanley Ramirez every time anything comes near him at first base, and will be yeah. critiquing every single move that he makes, as opposed to Pablo, who's just going to do his thing at third base, and people will get angry if he doesn't do well, but not as angry because. Hanley's more in the spotlight, but I don't oh, know though. If Pablo hits like two twenty in the first month and a half, I think people are gonna quickly be all over him. See, I think it's for me, and this is coming from a guy who likes Pablo Sandoval. As much as all the pressure is on Hanley, I think the the, sh- the leash is shorter on Pablo because look, he is exp- he's not he hasn't changed positions. He's this is the position he's made a living doing. He shouldn't be this bad. If he's this bad again, obviously something's up and he has to come out. This team likes to give Hanley a short lease. He played almost an entire year in left field. Like, they kept putting him back out there, and he sucked. And now he's coming to first base. They're going to do the same exact thing, Jess. Like, they're going to let him play first base regardless of how bad he is. Yeah, you're right. Farrell can say, Farrell can say all he wants. They're not going to take him off of first base. Pablo Sandoval is a third baseman. He's playing third base. All that pressure is on him. Uh, and despite the Hanley switching positions again, that's more of an excuse for them to keep him in. Oh, well, he's learning. You know, he's doing the best he can. We're going to keep him out there. We're going to keep grinding with him. Pablo, it's, oh, well, he's a third baseman. We're, he didn't play well, so we're going to pull him. Yeah, like, you're really right, and they can easily just say, screw you, Brock Holt's playing third base permanently. Exactly. Like that, and, you know? <laughs> you, and you know Brock Holt can handle that. You know, he's proven that he's, as much of a utility player he is, he's basically played almost every day because he jumps, jump, jumps around. Like, and, they, and he was so hot in the middle of last year that they did let him jump around positions and give people day off, days off. And if Pablo Sandoval, sorry, Ed. I was just going to say, and if, and if Hanley actually does a decent job at first base, that's going to put even more pressure on Pablo because they could, with Travis Shaw hoping to play some first base, if Hanley's doing okay and Pablo's not, they can also go put a platoon of Holt and Shaw every day and just drop Pablo out of the mix completely. Yeah, and, and we've seen Travis Shaw play third base, so we know we can do it. So it's just a matter of, I think it's Pablo because of that reason. I just think that I don't see this team not backing Hamley because they're paying him. It's position switch. They're going to do exactly what they did last year in terms of coddling him, saying, oh, it's fine. He's learning. He's gotten better day by day. We're going to work. I can just picture the John Farrell press conferences now, and it's giving me a headache thinking about it. Like, 
literally it's going to be, you know, Hanley, he did, uh, he did well today. And I think, you know, he could get better. We know he can get better. He hit well at the plate, and that's kind of why he's there. But I think that um, we, every, every day Hanley's looking to get better. And it's just that's going to be the press conference every game, no matter what Hanley does. Hanley put his foot in the base today. He did a good job. He's yeah. improving. You know, he, he looked comfortable <laughs> at first base. He, he's getting more comfortable day by day. And obviously his bat's gotten better. He, had, he went three for four today, so that was a great day for him. And, uh, look, every day is a struggle, but every day is getting better and better. And we're getting – and, and we're ready to go. It's, it's like Belichick only in baseball. Like that's what it's going to turn into because they don't want to criticize him. Yeah, for once you've actually convinced me by talking it out. I think I think Pablo does. Yes. I think Pablo does have more pressure, pressure. Yes. And like I said, going Lauren, off that. Warren, I know you're listening to the show, Lauren. Haha, I did it. <laughs> well, it's logical. That makes sense. I mean, they're they're both obviously under a huge amount of pressure, but but like I said, if if Hanley actually does decent, then that puts even more pressure on Pablo. And if Pablo does decent, it's not going to put more pressure on Hanley because he's playing a new position. Mm-hmm. But more people yeah. are going to be watching Hanley, though, that's for sure. Oh, of course. That's the eyes are going to be all of Hanley. That. Pablo's going to be in the back burner until he starts playing poorly again. Right. If he starts being the reason why they're losing, it's going to shift to him. Right. But for now, he's got an easy hitch. This is a really easy situation for him to have a second chance because there's so many worse off than he is that all the eyes aren't going to be on him. If, it, if Hanley wasn't on this team, all the eyes would be on Pablo Sandoval. Yeah, he's he's got this totally easy. It's it's <laughs> it's all lined up for him to just sit there and have a really great start to the season and have everyone just completely forget everything that happened last year. And you know they will because when you're playing well, <laughs> everyone changes very quickly. So we all will. I will sit here and say, hey, I told you because I told you guys right. from day one this was a slump and this is going to be a better year for him. And I'm still and I'm still on that track. I believe it's going to be a better year. And then I'll still be happy because I expected him to be so good last year that I'll be like, all right. Here we go. <laughs> now we're talking. This is what we want. This is what we wanted. Yeah. Right. And look, don't get me wrong. I don't expect him to do too much in the regular season. He's always been that playoff type guy. But he still sucked even for his normal regular season numbers last year. He's hit better so, like 255, 260. He's got to be hitting like 290. Come on. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I think he was bad for even for him in the regular season. Oh, yeah. But if this guy can hit steady 260 to 280, and then we get in the playoffs, that's where he's going to earn his paycheck. It's where he's always earned his paycheck. Yeah, he just needs to get out of the, the 230, 240, 250 range that he was in for, I don't know, half yeah. the season last year. Maybe lose a few pounds, keep a few cheeseburgers out of his front side, and maybe we'll be good, too. He supposedly did lose weight, so we'll see if that actually so makes a difference. So did Hanley, too. So did Hanley, too, supposedly, so we'll see. Um, which is, that's a kind of an intriguing storyline coming in. Um, another thing we want to talk about, Red Sox-related, uh, David Price. Yes, he's going to be the ace. Yes, he is going to be probably a Cy Young candidate um, the entire year. He donated $300,000 to a hometown baseball field uh, called Miracle Field to build a facility for kids with special needs. He's awesome. Yeah, that, that special needs thing really, really is really what's going to get people because that's, that's a really cool idea. And I know these guys have millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. But yeah, that's like $20 to him. That's, but yeah, like, that's the thing. Even, but even at that, it's still... You know, it makes. I mean, it makes the point is not what it is to him; it's what it is to the people who are getting it. Oh That's yeah, a ton of money. Obviously, three hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money for the normal citizen, and to have a sure. to have a whole baseball field and facility for for the special needs that's pretty sweet. Yeah, and think and think about this though, because like like we said, three hundred thousand dollars just like you said is not a lot of money to them, but. A lot, a lot of stars, a lot of people in major league professional sports will just drop that on another car or buy a new house. Like they're not going to sit there and do what he did. It still takes a good person to take that chump change to them and put it into something worth putting it into. Right. 
and not, not even necessarily the money value, but the thought of actually doing that. Exactly. Enough for most people, you know, no matter how much yeah. money it is. So exactly. So it's cool. awesome to him. Yeah. And he came down and said he loved the facilities at Fenway. He looked good, apparently, in his first uh, pitching, throwing such, uh, session down there unofficially. Um, obviously, we'll see more coverage starting uh, the 18th, exactly. which is what? Sorry. Thursday, right? 18th? Yeah. Yes, that's Thursday. Thursday. Simple math, Jared. Simple math. Um, so, yeah. So, Thursday we're going to be intriguing. So, this is actually, Jess, this is our last show in the off season. <laughs> part part so, of me still feels like spring training is the off season, but I know they start playing. They'll start playing games. You start getting reports, and, and you start getting these good workouts in. This is our last official off season episode. It's great. It's phenomenal, which I'm, I know you're happy about because you hate off season. <laughs> a long one. Everyone's a long one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, haven't had that much snow though, so you're you've been off the hook on that one. Um, it, feel, it does feel less long though when the team's actually making moves and supposedly getting better with it, like they are. And they did what they they're doing what they actually told us they wanted to do. Um, Dave Dombrowski didn't mess around, so it's been a very good, successful off season. It's been fun. We've had big names to cover coming in, so that's always good as well. Um, big names who actually are going to have an impact, which is half the battle. Um, Another th- one other thing, Red Sox related, before we kind of go quickly around the league, and I could, was dying laughing when I saw this on Twitter. Um, so Mookie Betts, our beloved Mookie Betts, if you haven't seen this, um, professional baseball player, professional bowler, practically, um, he should stay off the golf course, or at least trying to drive on the golf course, because he drove his golf cart into the water on the golf course and sank it. It was at the bottom of the lake. He took a picture of it and tweeted it out. What was he doing? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> Well, he's with Travis Shaw because Travis Shaw tweeted the picture of their golf cart in water. <laughs> so I guess Man. so. I guess Shaw and Betts were uh, were golfing together. Guess so. Apparently, Shaw should have been driving, right? <laughs> yeah, really. God, was Moogie Betts drinking? Like, is he gonna get charged for DUI? Like, wow. And then he like, tweeted I'm... and said, "Yeah, no more driving for me." <laughs> like, jeez. Like it was. It was kind of funny though. I couldn't stop laughing when I saw it. Um, but at least they have the money to just kind of go buy new golf clubs. <laughs> Right. Well, okay. Here, okay. Here's here's a tweet from Betts himself. Uh, another one. He said, "For the record, I didn't drive into the pond. It rolled in there. Just clearing that up." <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he probably drove it up to a certain point where maybe it was on a little bit of a ramp or a hill type thing where it could have fallen. Probably didn't put it all the way in the park either. And then he just he probably drove a little too close to the water for comfort and just kind of rolled in. I just I would I wish just imagine being Travis Shaw slowly just seeing your cart. Slowly rolling into the in water and realizing it was Mookie Betts' fault, just slowly. And, it's like, and I golf. It was like really far I know how too. That, it was like full, almost fully submerged in the water. Oh yeah, it was at the bottom. It was at the bottom of that pond. It was done. It was yeah. down. I don't know what they did to get it out, but obviously they're gonna pull it out at some point. But that's just hilarious to me. Um, the first tweet that I read about it when I actually when I saw it for the first time, it said something like, "This is paraphrasing, but it said something like, Mookie Betts is a great baseball player. Mookie Betts is a great bowler. Driving." Not quite. <laughs> yeah, not quite. <laughs> That's great. I hope his golf game's okay, though, at least to back up the poor driving. I know. The poor cart skills. He's so good at bowling. Like, you got to get your golf game on, too. Yeah, really. <laughs> He's got to be good at everything. He has to now. He's kind of put that mark on him. Um, so that, there's your Red Sox-related news for the day. Got a lot to cover. Again, Jen came on. Jen McCaffrey of MassLive.com. Again, we thank her greatly for coming on. Um, Non-Red Sox-related news, kind of a big one. Um, this is kind of a first for Major League Baseball. Um, reliever, uh, okay, it's Jenry. Yeah, I think I th- it was, the pronunciation had an X in it, which is kind of more like 
Xenry, Genry, which is kind of more Genry than Henry. So Genry, Genry Mejia? I think it's, it's Mejia. Mejia? Okay, Genry Mejia, we'll go with that, <laughs> um, has been permanently suspended from Major League Baseball after testing positive for uh, Boltenin. We'll go with that. Um, third violation for performance-enhancing substances. He's a, he's a moron. He's a boob. Um, this is the first time it's ever happened in the history of Major League Baseball having someone be suspended and basically banned from the league for performance-enhancing issues. He is appealing it. He's not going to win. Um, but how stupid can you be? Yeah, I saw a couple quotes from him. I think it was like quotes from maybe the second offense, and he was like, I have no idea how that substance got in my body. It doesn't make any sense. But when it happens three times... Something's going on. Yeah. Even do- two times, I still think something's going on. Right. Like, one time it can be a mistake, I get it. But, like... After that one time, it's okay. You're doing it. You're doing it. Just be done. Just be done with it. Right. What is it? One time is a mistake. Two times is a like a question mark. And three times is like, okay, you know what you're doing. <laughs> like you can only yeah. you can only go but so far. You know, the shame on you, shame on me, kind of kind of thing. Yeah. And so look, I mean, he was the Mets, right? Yeah. The Mets aren't going to cry over this. I mean, he's a good he's a good player. But they're going to move on. He's going to be the one who's going to be forgotten. And he's going, to, he's going to go down now in history books as the first person to ever be banned from the league for performance-enhancing issues. Like, that's what his history is going to be like. So good for you, Jenry, or Shanri, whatever the Genry. crap your name is. <laughs> Genry. Genry. You deserve to be banned for your name. Oof. Yeah, when, when was – that rule was not that old, right, of the, like the three-step thing? Wasn't that, pretty, uh, wasn't that pretty recent that they did that? Wasn't it in place when Manny got that 50-game suspension? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to know when that when that started. Like five years. That's what I was thinking. Five years ish, something like that. Okay. When when did Manny play in the league? When was the last time he played the league? That's when he got this. Ten or eleven. So yeah, five six years. Okay. So yeah, we'll go with that. So it's been pretty pretty recent, but obviously it hasn't happened yet. And now you're seeing all the reports, you know, that are saying, Jenry Mejia. Banned for life, only player besides Pete Rose to you know, to be like that. So he's getting, he's getting lumped into Pete Rose Pete Rose banned category now. So good for him. <laughs> yeah, good for him. Nice job. You are a good pitcher, and you just screwed it up because you couldn't keep the needle out of your arm. That's gonna be a huge shock, though, right? You're sitting there. You're you're like a young player. I'm pretty sure he's very young. I think he's like 23. Yeah, he's like our age. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're. Oh, he's actually 26. Either way. 26 years old, you have have all these years left, and you're not allowed back. Not even because of any injury or you're a bad pitcher or anything like that, because you took the bad stuff. You took the bad stuff. And that must just kind of be a hopeless feeling, right? I mean, you're you're sitting there in your mid-20s, you're you're prime, and you've already made it to the league, and now you can't even come back. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he went through the whole struggle, and then he was an idiot. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Boldenin or whatever heck he was taking probably had something to do with him being good, but I still <laughs> think it's, he's, he's still an idiot, and he's still and people don't learn, their, don't, don't learn their lessons. You put these rules into place, and then they just don't like follow them, and they're morons, and then they get shocked, and now he's like, why are you appealing this? Like, you obviously did it. It's the third time. You're not going to lose your suspension. You're not going to lose your ban. Just take it and go away. Yeah, and like, what do you feel like when you're when you get like the second suspension where you get like seventy game or eighty games or whatever you get? Yeah. Then you go back and come do it again. Like what? You yeah. already, you already had you, to sit out so long. You think after that first suspension, 
or the second suspension, like the suspension for 70, 80 games, you'd think that would get him enough to clean up. No, he's going to keep doing it. So stupid. Uh, but anyway, there's more news to talk about. We don't need to keep talking about Bolton and Jenry. Oh, wait, well, wow. Jenry. 162 games was the second one? Yeah, it's a full year, right? Yeah. Oh, so I think it was 50, then... It goes 50, then 162, 162, then life. lifetime ban. Yeah. So you sit there for a whole season, and then you still do it. That's unbelievable. Like, yeah. You're probably sitting at home, not playing. I'm bored. I'm just going to take some more. <laughs> not thinking about, oh, if I do Friday this... It's like Friday night popcorn. Let's play again. Mm-hmm. Let's go to town. Watch a movie. Pop some steroids. Pop some balls in. You know, oh same old, same old. Oh man. Uh, other news around the league. Um, let's keep it in the AL East here, real quick. Uh, Tanaka is not expected to be ready for opening day, which is crazy. Yeah, when I got the notification on my phone a couple of days ago. I was like, wait a minute. We're expecting this guy to be propelling them to the to the ranks of hopefully where the Red Sox are and everything. And, and we've been told we and we've been told that he was going to be ready. Yeah, and all of a sudden he's like, eh. I might be ready. Might not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and he's gonna be the he's gonna be the key to their them being good this year. If we want Red Sox Yankees to be a thing, Tanaka's gonna have to stay healthy the whole year and pitch well the whole year. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's projected to be their best pitcher right now. Sabathia is not as good anymore, and you know, Pineda's got great stuff, but hasn't been able to put it together consistently. So. Yep, Joe Kelly. You can't go. Yeah, exactly. You can't call him a one either, so and then nope. obviously no one else is going to be a one. So it, it is Tanaka, even though he's really hasn't proven a whole lot now that he missed a lot of last year yeah. with the injury mm-hmm. too. So a lot, a lot riding on that guy. And if he's still cautious and questionable, then that might diminish his effectiveness even when he does pitch. Yeah, and it, it's it's crazy that um, he just can't stay healthy. He's been hurt for most of the time he's been in the league. And now you, if you're the Yankees and he's not pitching, who's, who would they throw opening day at the CC? Probably Pineda, right? I guess it would have to be Pineda. Probably. Especially after Sabathia's, uh all of his alcohol stuff last year. I don't know if they, I don't know if they trust him to be the one. Maybe they would, but. They claim he's healthy. He claims he's ready to go and he's in a good place, which, I mean, I'm, as a human being, I'm happy for the guy because obviously alcoholism is serious. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's good on him that he made the the choice to do what he did, um, but is he ready to go? Like, is he going to be ready to go opening day? And it's not like he's a spring chicken or anything. He's got a lot of years he's, of mileage. Yeah, a lot of fried chicken and beer in that stomach. Right. So even if he is pitching, do you want do you want him to be your your number one starter and rely on him to be your best pitcher? I don't think so. I don't think that's the way you want to go if you're them. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I, I you have to think probably Pineda is going to get the ball opening day if. Tanaka is not ready because it was more of a not sure thing, right? It's not a definite. So um, we're going to have to wait and see on that one. But obviously he's going to pitch at some point this year. So the Yankees can just kind of stay afloat. They have the bullpen, obviously, to be able to do that. So I, I don't think it's going to hurt them too much as long as he's not out for an extended period of time. Um, and it doesn't sound like it would be just if it's a kind of a not sure thing. <laughs> Unless he comes back and pitches and then gets hurt for the rest of the year again. <laughs> okay, well, that'd be kind of comical. But, I mean, we're not at that point yet, so. Yeah, we'll kind of see, we'll kind of see where that goes. It's going to be interesting. That's yeah. Some people will be falling a lot at the beginning of the season because if they get off to a slow start and have a really bad April, then pressure's going to be on big time because people are actually expecting them to be pretty good this year now. Yeah, and um, one final piece of tidbit of MLB news before we get out of here for the week, Jess. Um, and this one's kind of I mean I don't want to say flying out of the radar, but like this one's kind of big in terms of um, Tim Lincecum with the Giants. Apparently, there's a report. And it's a long shot 
for him to return to the Giants. Um, he's probably going to get a home somewhere else, but it doesn't look like he's going back to San Francisco, which is kind of sad because he's been there for so long. He, didn't he get drafted by them? Yeah, he's been with them their whole career. Yeah, and he's won rings there, and he's done his thing there, and he, he um, might be the next Giant to fall right over there. Yeah, he's had a good career, nine years, three championships, 108 wins, 361 ERA. Obviously, his ERA hasn't been as good recently because, you know, he had his his two Cy Youngs in 2008 and nine. Obviously, he's not that good anymore at all, but overall, he's had a really nice career and lifelong giant and now may not be. But at this point, I mean, if he can stay healthy, he could definitely help the team because he's only 31. He's obviously still, you know, he was 12 and nine in 2014. 7-4 Seven and four last year in less starts, so he's still got some stuff. I mean, he's still a strikeout pitcher. Obviously, yep. if you're a strikeout pitcher once, you're still going to have some kind of strikeout ability, no matter what. So he could be good for some team. I don't know he's, what team would get him, but yeah, he's going to have to learn to kind of pitch like Jake Peavy does now. In terms of Jake Peavy used to hawk the ball when he was younger, and now he's kind of he's still successful, but he just picks his spots, picks his corners. That's what Lincecum's working to. He can still throw the ball. He's only 31. Um, he's probably got five good years left in him, I think, in terms of being like some teams two or three. Um, the report from Fox Sports has the Marlins, Orioles, Padres, and Rangers as a few of the teams interested, reportedly. Um, so you could see Lincecum here in the AL East. That's, that, that's kind of an, a possibility. Um, Jess, I, obviously I'm kind of throwing you on the spot here, but I'd say out of those four teams, if those because those are the ones that are actually named, um, what would be the best fit for him? Do you think? Um, that's tough because you got to think about what, yeah, like we said, like what he can do with uh, in terms of like the Jake Peavy thing. You know, kind of. He's not going to be an ace anymore. <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Tough, you keep I know. in the spot, and I'm not sure. <laughs> I gave you four teams. I mean, okay, let's let's do this then. Let's narrow it down. Yeah, it's, okay. Let's do Baltimore Orioles because I want an option in the AL East. Um, and it could happen because they could use some extra pitching. Um, and say the Miami Marlins because they're stupid and will spend money anywhere. Between those two, where do you think he'd go? Well, if he wants to win Baltimore. <laughs> True. Probably a lot better chance of winning there than not not necessarily winning either place, but a better chance of winning with Baltimore than than Miami. In terms of better situation, yeah, I'd still say Baltimore because who wants to pitch for Miami? I would never want to pitch for Miami. Terrible ownership. Can't keep managers for more than a couple of years. They just don't care about winning, period. So if he wants to continue to be a winner with his three Cy Youngs, I'd definitely pick Baltimore of those two. Out of those four, I think it's out. It's I think I'm split between Baltimore and Texas, um, because Texas is having issues with uh, keeping you Darvish healthy and keeping him on the mound. They could always use some insurance, and they consider themselves contenders every year. Adding him is only going to help. And you put him in the American League, you won't have to worry about hitting, and you can just focus on pitching, which is huge. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was Texas or Baltimore. Um, it would be intriguing to see him here in the AL East because especially a lot of people out here don't really see him pitch that often. So he's not, he's a name to baseball fans, but to Red Sox fans and to people over here might not know him as much because, again, he's been pitching in San Francisco all these years. No one wants to stay up that late to watch games. <laughs> right. So you see him like once if, if we play them or maybe not at all. Yeah, and then you would team in the playoffs. Right. 
because those games become different timing. So, like, you don't really know them that well over here. Obviously, we do, just because we're baseball nuts. But, like, other than that, no one who just is a casual baseball fan will know this name or know, even know what he looks like. So it would be intriguing to see him come over here a little bit, get him on this coast or even in central time zone just to kind of see um, what he could do and what people could react to him. Obviously, the only team on this list that was West Coast is San Diego. So um, we'll have to see where this goes. But it's still intriguing, a storyline to follow, that he's going to be out of there, out of San Francisco. He's done well so far for them, obviously having a great career so far. But um, definitely is going to have a job somewhere. It's just a matter of where at this point. Yeah, that would def- definitely be interesting. I wouldn't mind. If, I mean, I don't want the Orioles to be better. Not that he would make them that that much better, but I, yeah, I wouldn't mind having him be in the Orioles and like getting to see him pitch a little bit. It'd be a good fit, I think, honestly, for the Orioles. I really think it would be. From a non-biased, non-Red Sox fan point of view, I, I think it'd be a good fit for them. I think they could use the help. Um, they want to be good again. They obviously were they're two years removed from the ALCS, so... I think they're looking to kind of get back there, and he'd be uh, kind of a step in the right direction. Yeah, they got Chris, um, Chris Davis back, so they got they still got their offense. They could definitely use another pitcher. So, yeah, yeah. So I think all right. Now that we've talked it out, I'm, I, I say Baltimore is the best best spot for him. I think so. I, I kind of agree with you on that. We're agreeing way too much tonight. I know what the heck, Lauren, come back. We've had two weeks off from each other now, so now we're like being nice to each other and actually agreeing on stuff. We're on the same page. Man. It's crazy. <laughs> Crazy. It's one of those shows. It's the last off season, Joe. We're both in a good mood. Put it is. We're all in a really, we're both in a really good mood because you're out of your dark place of the off season, and I'm just excited for pitchers and catchers to report. So <laughs> it's all good it, in the baseball kind of, world. It's all good in the baseball world. Four days till pitchers and catchers report, which is Thursday, the 18th of February. So next week, when we're back on, it's going to be the first spring training episode of Red Sox Beat for 2016. We're excited for that. Me, Jess, and Lauren should all be back together talking baseball for you here on CLNS Radio. Um, of course, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is just Red Sox Beat Podcast. We're on Tumblr, uh, also iTunes and Stitcher. If you could rate, review, and subscribe us. Again, I ask every week because it means that much to us. Go on there and do that for us. That'd be awesome. Um, again, Jess got us. Uh, Jen McCaffrey, a huge thanks to Jen McCaffrey for coming on of MassLive.com. She was great. Of course, she's on Twitter again at JC McCaffrey. Two C's and two F's on Twitter, again, from MassLive.com. Don't forget, this week, of course, was brought to you by Grandstand, the new sports app, sports highlights straight from the crowd. Share your own sports highlights and watch videos straight from the crowd, all from the fans' perspective. Download Grandstand on the App Store or at Grandstand.me. So, yeah, so we're going to wrap it up there for the week. Jess, it was great to have you back. Oh, it was nice to it was nice to not have to uh, be the optimistic one on the show. I kind of did that last week. Uh, me and Lauren kind of agreed on a lot last week, and it was weird. Um, but yeah, so that, but that's why Jared was on because he kind of balanced us out. Um, but yeah, so it was a good show. Again, thanks to Jen for coming on, and we'll talk. We'll be back next week for the first spring training episode. Until then, enjoy the excitement of Thursday and pitchers and catchers. And uh, again, this is Red Sox beat on TLNS Radio. <laughs>